All right. Thank you for tuning in to another founder interview on the Forward Thinking Media Network. Um, as always, if you want to tune in live to these interviews and ask questions live on the record, then become a subscriber of Forward Thinking Media. Go to forwardthinking.substack.com, decide to be a paid subscriber. And one of the many things you get as a paid subscriber is the ability to sit in on the Zoom calls as I'm recording and the ability to ask questions at the end. So if you want that, go to forwardthinking.substack.com and I'll see you on the other side. Let's get into today's episode. All right. How's it going, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Forward Thinking Founders, where we talk to founders about their companies, their visions of the future, and how the two collide. Today, I'm very excited to be talking to Everett Berry, who is the co-founder of Perceive. Welcome to the show. How's it going? Hey, Matt. Stoked to be here. Yeah, stoked to have you on. I I, I was talking to someone earlier today, just an hour or two ago, that's like I'm, I'm abnormally energized for 4.37 in the afternoon. And I think what I what I found is because I didn't have coffee at two, I actually, it actually has the opposite effect. You know, anyways, we're not here to talk about my, my coffee addiction. We're here to talk about Perceive. So let's, let's talk about it. What are you working on with Perceive? People that don't know what it is, can, can you explain what you're working on? Yeah, so Perceive automates focus groups for companies that build um, physical products. And so we have video technology that captures customer interactions and then that data gets injected into the product design cycle of companies um, so they can make sort of physical changes to their product as early as possible and deliver the best experience for the customer. Um, so can you, two questions. One, can you talk about who you're, like who, who would use this? Um, like I guess a, a persona. And then can you walk through like how they use it? Meaning like, I guess walk through like a workflow, how they would engage with it, what they would use it for, et cetera. Yeah, so imagine a large, maybe Fortune 500 home appliance company that builds um, dishwashers, that builds, uh, they probably have 100 or 200 different product lines. And they have retail showrooms across the country. In some cases, these are just experience centers. In other cases, they're full-blown retail outlets. And when you're a company that large with a physical product, typically you end up being fairly disconnected from the customer. And there's sort of this eternal search for the voice of the customer, for customer insight, for um, really almost being there in the moment with them when they're using the product. And so we've created a set of video tools that allow companies to instrument a space where they display their product, and this could be a showroom or a natural retail outlet, and then gather sort of precise 10, 20 second video clips of customer moments that really matter. And then what happens is, um, let's say, a customer like Mary walks in and she can't figure out how to turn on the blender. That video clip gets um, shared with the industrial design team that designs that blender and they're able to sort of review it in our application, make comments on it and match it to other data like how long customers spent with the product, um, what they looked at before they looked at the product and other interaction data that really informs the design of the product as early as possible in that design cycle. So there's these tools called PLM tools, which many, any industrial engineer listening to the podcast will be familiar with, but it sort of tracks how a company designs this physical item. And we inject our data into that uh, tool and that process so that kind of for the first time, these designers can get video data right at their desktop of real customers using the thing they just designed. That's incredible. I mean, it's, it's incredible that you built that. I'd love to hear 
why why did you decide to work on this? What was the inspiration, the origin, the story? It's pretty impressive. So like, I'd love to hear just like, why do you want to work on this and spend your time on it? Yeah, I, it's, it's, I don't know if it's a typical origin story. The, the root of it is I really love camera technology. I really love human behavior. And for the last decade almost, I've been working on um, technology related to that. So I was fortunate to grow up in the AI age. So some of the first programming I did was actually computer vision programming using some of the first neural networks. And what I built in college was a tool to just sort of take open video streams on the campus and count people in line, count people um, getting coffee, how long it would take. And my fascination with that led to a whole series of research projects that ultimately led to us writing more than $2 million in National Science Foundation grants to solve some sort of esoteric <laughs> technical video problems. Um, so while we were doing that, there was the realization that, well, we do need to go to market and solve a problem for someone. And it just so happens that in the Midwest, where we're originally from, there's an enormous base of manufacturing, physical product design, CPG. And so we just started solving, um, solving video-based problems for them. And the fortunate thing for us is that initial desire that I felt to understand more, learn more, connect with um, people more over, over video is a real need inside these companies in terms of understanding how the customer uses the product and how to design it uh, for them and, and not waste time, and not waste product cycles. So um, sort of a, a wide ranging story, but it started with research and ended up with this very specific sort of problem that enterprise companies have. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Um, yeah, I, I like that a lot. So with something like this, I, I kind of sometimes I ask this question, like, I'd love to hear just like, how do you know what to work on day to day, you could be doing a lot. Um, so I'm curious, I guess, I guess two prong question one, if you're open to sharing, what's the size of your company? Is it like two, if you want a co founder is it a little bigger than that? Or is it much bigger than that? And then like, with that information, you know, I'd love to know, like, how you spend your days? Is it talking to customers all day? Is it building? Um, is it is it doing something else? Um, that would be a cool. I think the listeners would like that. Yeah, absolutely. So we have six people today. We have a couple of customers, um, two Fortune 500s. So pr pretty small, but um, but growing. And in terms of what to work on, it, maybe it's the hardest question. I think, especially facing a founder, because there's so many things you could do, and if you don't do the right thing, you can often, through trickle down effects, set your company back months. So. Um, I typically try to do some sort of consumer research, customer research every day. And, and the, the best, of course, is to talk to your customer. Um, but there's other things you can do, like, you know, reading the relevant Twitter feeds of, of people in your industry, um, researching online, um, you know, trying out different keywords for SEO. So there's all these ways that we kind of try to get in the head of the customer. And of course, the best is to have an actual conversation with them. Um, and right now, what we've been working on are uh, sort of the story of this company when it comes to the coronavirus, because I think we do fit into a category of video products and remote work products that um, are going to end up being pretty useful for folks. But how that all works is, especially for our industry, is, is still kind of a mystery. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think choosing what to work on is the hardest thing and anyone that tells you they have a formula for it is, is in my opinion, probably mistaken. 
yeah, I, I do agree that no one, no, I think you never even know. Like the beauty of it is like, it's not like there's an answer, right? If it's not like if, if someone says, what's the highest leverage thing you can do right now, the answer, whatever you do is the highest leverage thing. Cause you can't wonder what else you'll be working on. Right. Um, and I just think being grounded in like good principles is, is important, which it sounds like you are. Um, would love to hear a little bit about, you know, like where, where do you see this? Where do you see this going? I mean, if you look out, not necessarily long term yet, but it's still a relatively nascent company. You said six people or or eight people with the, with the, with the co founders. Like, how do you think about? I guess more short term question. Um, different, you know, markets to go in, different segments. Are you in this phase where you? Uh, you are really focusing on one segment or are you thinking about expanding? Um, like, how do you think about that as like kind of someone running this company and staying um, and, and trying to stay sane as it's like the early, early days of, of it, you know? Yeah. So we believe in general, there's a, there's a large existing video analytics segment and a core thing that happens there is you take video or some other type of visual data and you turn it into analytics so numbers graphs um, percentages that sort of thing and our belief or insight is that there's too much lost in that process and so we actually offer a, a full featured analytics tool that folks find useful but we mainly focus on these video clips and we mainly focus on producing these important moments for people so that they can actually see what the what the customer is seeing and so in the medium term, I think there's um, not only in the in the product design cycle, which we are is the niche that we focus on now, but in the um, marketing and security and all the things that video analytics are used for today, having a bigger focus on simply presenting the best moments to the customer is probably the most exciting thing. And I think um, it, it's almost endless the amount of work we could do in that area sort of shying away from analytics, although still offering them, and going back to a little bit more of a qualitative approach to making decisions with video. And um, I think online, we're seeing a lot of that as well. There's a couple of really interesting products that have come on my radar lately that focus on not transcribing video or pulling things out of it, but um, just finding those important moments in the conversation. So. I'm pretty excited about that as an opportunity and as a vision. And there's a massive market of video analytics products that I think can be either transformed or, or you know, gobbled up by a set of products that puts the video more at the center of the experience. For sure. Yeah. And yeah, I definitely understand that. So if you had a chance, so let's say someone asked you, which I'm about to, Great. Like you obviously as a, as, as you're running a company, you need to think about the short term and the long term. but like obviously operating is super important. But like now I'm curious about, you know, for one of the last questions, just like forget about operations today. If you like looked out, you know, a decade or two um, and, and, and you, as far as you want and you really thought about your vision and what you would like to will into the world, what the year, like, what would you like to build? What will you build with Bercy and like, what will it look like? I just would love to hear a little bit about, about the vision of the, of, of the company. Yeah. So the world today is 
mapped, but it's mapped in 2D. Um, so Google Maps, um, you know, status updates from your friends. We generally know the locations of things and kind of on a flat surface. And I think what's happening today is we're starting to map the world in real time in 3D. So, you know, here in San Francisco, you have self-driving cars building these incredible point clouds of the city all day. You have people with um, uh, AR smartphones taking, you know, interesting shots of rooms. You have technology like ours that sits inside buildings that maps customer movements as they go around. I think long term, all of that will be unified into this probably interactive, probably real time. But, but 3D map of the world that will allow people to sort of <laughs> zoom around and, um, and experience it. And I, don't, I don't have all the details of, of that part, but I think in general, building a much higher fidelity 3D map of the world is the, um, the, the vision we're seeking. And I think that will enable us to do a lot of the more concrete things like study human behavior and ultimately build, you know, much more livable cities, much better spaces, much more exciting experiences for folks. You at all, this is kind of veering off path, but I do have to ask. So something that was really interesting for me, um, like, I don't know, it must've been like four years ago, but like Snapchat released their spectacles, which had obviously a great launch, but didn't do much. But like what was interesting about spectacles is like you put on spectacles and you're kind of in a new world. Um, it's like an augmented world. And, yeah. and I think in the next, I don't know, decade, there will be, you know, more multiple worlds that you can live in. Like you can be in the same spot in the physical world and see one painting. You could be in Snapchat's world, see another painting and Facebook's world, see another painting, uh, you know, or any, you know, et cetera, which is going to be interesting. I'm curious. Um, if not, that's totally fine. This is like totally like off base, but do you see, um, you fusing like when you say like a map of the world are you are you gonna is it primarily like the world that we all live on are you thinking potentially merging with like worlds that could exist digitally um if that's even possible it's a very out there question i'm curious if you give it any thought yeah i i think they will come together i and i almost think that the world we live in will start to have less detail like what's this is getting out there, but what's the point of having like a lot of decoration or even paint on the walls if you can just walk into a space and as long as it's the right size, you can inhabit whatever world you want. So I, I don't know, I don't know how the, the merge will happen. I think it's, it'll be easier to create virtual worlds when we have a, a detailed map of the actual world. Um, I think it'll make a lot more sense that, for example, one problem with VR and AR is like the physics often don't make sense and you get dizzy. So if you have, if, if, if the maps you're creating are informed by what's actually out there, the real distances of things, then I think you will end up with kind of a better experience. But yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be like a little bit of like a digital physical multiverse, I, I would imagine. Um, but and I think it'll certainly be much different from what we experienced today. But how it all comes together, you know, I think that's probably the exciting part of the journey is, is we get to sort of decide that, you know, year in and year out. Yeah, I love that point. I, a lot of investors that I follow are like, what's the future of work? And I'm like, the future of work is, is whoever's building it today. Like, that's the future of work. Like, it's not like 
like i don't know it, it's just the, the future gets built by the founders of today which is what you're doing right it's like and i just love to and i'm kind of like you know because of this podcast and other things i'm like ingrained with the founders so i like kind of like in some capacity see the future not because i'm predicting it because i'm watching it being built like every day which is kind of exciting um anyways going back to on topic um for the last question i have uh, what is something that the forward-thinking founders community can do to help you if you're looking for users, customers, hiring, social media likes, you know, how can we help? Sure. Well, um, we definitely should do a better job of building our audience. So, of course, I appreciate social media likes and all of that. I, I would say the main thing, though, is we are finding a lot of customers in the innovation centers of corporations. And these are oftentimes these somewhat separate, but... Um, uh, kind of very interesting centers that companies spend money on where they try to invent the future of their own brand and their own products. Um, and so I guess the ask would be if if there are engineers or founders or folks that work in those areas that um, are looking for better ways to study their, their customers or the visitors that come in, you know, I'd love to talk to you. And I think that's, that's a really interesting um, niche that we've found that potentially is, is part of kind of our broader market strategy. Um, and then of course, you know, the, the last thing that I think every founder should probably ask about is um, you, if you can find an investor that believes in the vision that is a, is already a fit in terms of thesis, then that's a conversation that should be had. So any investors or founders listening that know folks that are looking at um, 3D spaces or kind of the, the future of, of studying consumer behavior, you know, let's definitely talk. All right. And uh, for the final, final question, how can someone find you on the internet? What's your website URL? Do you have a Twitter? I guess if anyone wanted to get in touch, how, how could they do that and learn more about you and Chris? You? Yeah. So I'm on Twitter at, um, at uh, Everett Berry and Perceive is on Twitter as well at Perceive Inc. So Perceive INC. Our website is also perceiveinc.com. Um, so those are great places to reach out. I'm fairly active on Twitter, although I don't have I have an embarrassingly low amount of followers, but um, yeah, Twitter is awesome. And uh, you can also email me directly at everett.perceiving.com. I have a quick note on, on the follower account. I, um, I think we're connected on Twitter and I, are, I yep. am obsessed with Twitter and anyone probably listening to the podcast probably knows that I tweet like a trillion <laughs> times a day. But something that, you know, just for you to know is that I probably had like, 500 followers all in like the digital marketing space like yeah. like a year and a half ago and only i only started to like you know like when we got an investment from jason calacanis and like i started like you know a really i don't know trying to like get techies as customers that's when i started to like kind of follow a bunch of people in tech and then i just tweet what i want to tweet and all of a sudden i have 2000 followers so i, I would say for you like the low follower count, you know, everyone starts low. And also a lot of the people that like have, you know, hundreds of thousands, they got on Twitter in 2007. So it's almost a self-fulfilling prophecy. <laughs> like, you know, if they got on today, like, I, I don't know. So don't, don't feel bad at low, tw the low follower account. One day I'll do a, like a Twitter course to show people how to like crush it at Twitter for free. Cause like, I love <laughs> Twitter. Go, it's like yeah. the greatest thing. Anyway, anyways, follow him on Twitter, give him another follow, uh, another follower. Or if everyone follows him, he'll have like 17 million followers. That's how many listeners I have. <laughs> Just kidding. All right. That's the episode. Thank you so much for coming on. Really appreciate it. Um, I think what you're working on is interesting and I wish you best of luck moving forward. Hey, thanks so much, Matt. 
All right, you've been listening to Founder Interviews on the Forward Thinking Media Network. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to that one. No, it doesn't have to end here. If you didn't know, we have daily podcast episodes. So you just subscribe to this RSS feed and you'll get another one tomorrow. Additionally, we have a free newsletter where we look at the last week of product hunt launches and we see the best we, we, we decide who the best products are you can look at this if you go to forwardthinking.substack.com and just put in your email you get access to this every monday we have a lot more than that if you want to become a paid subscriber as well meaning you can sit in on calls you can get access to subscriber only content you can get access to our paid community that is ten dollars a month soon to be fifteen dollars a month but if you just want to you know just check it out see if this is your your type of people i'm your type of person just tune into the podcast every day and get Get on that newsletter at forwardthinking.substack.com for free and see if you like it. And if you do, we'll be waiting on the other side on the subscription level tier. So thank you again for tuning in to today's episode and hope to see you soon. Thanks. Bye.